What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Will Clemente is a finance major at East Carolina University. He's quickly become one of my favorite writers on all things Bitcoin, including deep dives on various on-chain analytics. You can subscribe to Will's new email newsletter in the link in the description. In this conversation, we discuss RSI, perpetual funding rates, strong hand accumulation, OTC outflows, whale purchases, minor activity, and UTXO, realized price distribution. I really enjoyed this conversation with Will as always, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is LMAX Digital, the number one institutional crypto exchange. They offer clients the deepest pool of crypto liquidity on the planet, underscored by a 100% uptime track record through volatility spikes. Leveraging LMAX Group's liquidity relationships and ultra-low latency technology, LMAX Digital is the market-leading solution for institutional crypto trading and custodial services. Featuring a central limit order book streaming spot, Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash, all paired with US dollar, Euro, and Yen. LMAX Digital is secure, liquid, and trusted. They're the number one institutional crypto exchange. If you're an institution, you should be using LMAX Digital. You can learn more at lmaxdigital.com slash POMP. Again, lmaxdigital.com slash POMP. Next up is Gemini, a leading regulated cryptocurrency exchange wallet and custodian that makes it simple and secure to buy, sell, store, and earn Bitcoin, Ether, and over 40 other cryptocurrencies. They offer industry-leading security, insurance, and uptime. Gemini is the go-to trusted platform for beginner and sophisticated investors alike. Open a free account in under three minutes at Gemini.com slash POMP and get $20 of Bitcoin after you trade $100 or more within 30 days. Again, you can open a free account in under three minutes at Gemini.com slash POMP and you'll get $20 of Bitcoin after you trade your first $100 or more within the first 30 days. Gemini.com slash POMP. Go check it out and let me know what you think. Last but not least are my friends over at Public Rec. That's right, Public Rec. They make the most comfortable clothes in the world. Public Rec is on a mission to make comfort look good too. Their fan favorite, Flex Short, is the ultimate crossover short you'll need all summer long. When I moved to Miami, I was looking for a pair of shorts that I could wear anywhere. Wear it to the beach, wear it to the gym, and wear it out to dinner and not get yelled at by my wife. From the beach to the gym, this quick drying short has you covered. Comfort starts with a better fit. Free shipping, free returns. Visit publicrec.com slash pomp and use pomp at checkout for 10% off. Publicrec.com slash pomp. Publicrec.com slash pomp and use code pomp at checkout for 10% off. All right, let's get in this episode with Will. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I've got Will here, just him and I back like usual. Uh, Will, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Paul. I'm uh, excited for it to just be back like old times. I feel like it has been the two of us in forever. Um, I know. But yeah, the, you know, it's been, a, it's been an interesting week. Uh, you know, excited to get into it, but uh, doing well otherwise. How about yourself? I, uh, I think people have really enjoyed the conversations we've been having with other folks, but uh, there's a couple of people who just miss you and I going through the, uh, through the data. So maybe let's just start with uh, kind of this RSI indicator. Normally, uh, you are not known for putting technical analysis into uh, the newsletter, but you included RSI uh, as kind of the first metric this week. Explain kind of what that is and why you're looking at it. 
Yeah, sure. So like for anybody who does TA, uh, RSI is just, you know, a relatively basic indicator. Um, it's basically kind of tracking the strength of price. Um, and so you have this range, right? And, and uh, oscillator oscillates through that range. When it gets above, it's considered overbought. When it goes below, it's considered oversold. And so when you look at this RSI on the daily time frame and you kind of zoom out, you can see that we've been in this kind of downward trend since um, kind of the beginning of, of uh, January. And we're right now kind of retesting that, that trend line. Um, we, we've tested it and it's, it's served as resistance eight times. Um, at the time that I wrote this, we were at like $250 higher than we were. So we were actually starting to break out above. Um, but you need a, uh, you need a, uh, confirmation on the, on the daily close to determine if you have broken out or not. So I don't know, just, just something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, it looks like we're, we're kind of coiling up some momentum in price there. Um, and, and that also kind of correlates with uh, volatility, which, which we've been tracking. Um, any kind of major, you know, indication of volatility is showing that we're ready for a big move. Um, you can look at like Bollinger Bands, or you can also just look at like the historical volatility index and then just kind of plot that out. And you'll see once again, that we're kind of at this, um, trend uh, resistance line, um, you know, downward sloping trend line where, you know, Bitcoin looks ready to break out. And, you know, the volatility doesn't necessarily mean that the move's going to be up. It just means that we're going to have a big move, right? But um, looking at these, you know, some of these other things, I think you can get, uh, you know, a better indication as to where that big move is perhaps going, which I think a lot of people know where I kind of stand in that. So. And the next thing that you looked at was the perpetual funding rate. So explain what this is and, and kind of what it's telling you right now. Yeah, sure. So uh, the perp funding rate is, is unique to Bitcoin, where the, the perp is essentially, um, you know, this, this futures contract that doesn't expire, you can think of it that way. And it, it's a contract that's pegged to Bitcoin price. Um, and so it's pegged to it through the funding rate. And so uh, for the derivatives, they, they have something called an index. And it's basically like a weighted average price based off of all the major exchanges. Um, and so to, to keep the contract pegged to Bitcoin price, um, the, the funding rate adjusts in correlation to um, what, what the perp is trading at in, in, uh, relative to, to that uh, index. So when the perp is trading at a premium to spot, it, the, the funding rate is positive versus when uh, it's trading at a discount to spot, you have negative funding rates. Um, so prolonged funding rates to, that, are neg that, are, that are negative are bullish. Prolonged funding rates that are positive are bearish. Um, and what we've had is, is prolonged funding rates since late May. Um, a couple of days here and there are positive, but overall negative. Um, and, and so the last time that we've had prolonged funding rates like this was after the March 2020 crash and kind of in that, that uh, you know, reaccumulation phase after that. Um, you know, it's, it's been pretty much completely positive throughout the you know, whole main phase of the, the bull market up until May. So, um, you know, it's been good to, to see these negative funding rates, but especially over the last, uh, you know, 24, 48 hours as we started to rally a little bit. Um, what that's basically showing is that, um, you know, the, the spot, the, the, the rally is more driven by spot than derivatives. So if, if, if the futures were at a premium, like I would, I would be a little more short term, short term uh, skeptical because all these traders are coming in and leverage longing um, the move up versus what seems like to be going on now is spot is actually leading the price up. Well, it looks like sentiment from, from traders is bearish, um, which is, you know, by definition, like denial in the market, right? You, you, you want to see uh, disbelief of the rally for us to be able to move up higher. Um, it, it's almost like 
when, when we're at a top, a top is when like the biggest bears turn bullish and everyone just thinks we're going straight up. So the, cons- the consensus is that we're going higher. And so, you know, traders are, are super uh, bullish and that kind of gives incentive for price to be pushed the other direction. Um, we have the same thing. So like we had a long squeeze on the way down where everyone was long and then, um, you know, it, it didn't take as, as much selling pressure to uh, as it would have otherwise if you didn't have this high leverage to the that was positioned for more upside to push the price down and it's the same kind of thing here so like you know when when we dipped down below 30k people were loading on shorts um, and, and you know even since we rallied out out of there it still seems like traders aren't respecting the pump so to say um, which is what you what you want to see to kind of have this disbelief rally and slow grind up out of a bottom so. Uh, watching those funding rates uh, pretty closely, like every hour, um, just to just to see kind of how traders are reacting to the market. Got it. And then we've got this liquid supply ratio that uh, you highlighted as well. Yeah, um, liquid supply has been one of my favorite charts over the last month. Um, it, it's one of the one of the charts that like Willie helped me create. It's basically comparing um, illiquid supply to liquid and highly liquid supply, and so you're essentially capturing this movement of coins from, from weak hands um, to, to strong hands. Uh, and so I literally labeled the chart, Bitcoin's moving to strong hands, um, but yeah, it's, it's the liquid supply ratio. And so what you've seen is throughout the early, uh, throughout the kind of middle part of the bull run, I should say, when, you know, um, like late, late September to early to, to mid April, you saw this really strong increase in this. And so that was showing a bunch of coins were getting locked up. Um, you know, we had that supply shock, right? And, and so you can also look at exchange flows to see that as well. But when we got into mid-May, late May, um, you all of a sudden started to see this oscillator trend down. If I had this back then, then I probably would have been uh, less bullish than I was at the time uh, because you just started seeing a bunch of coins that, that were being puked out by what was previously recognized as strong hands. Uh, and so since late May, you've seen this kind of slow grind up in this, but then over the last couple of weeks, a big, a big pop, big move up. And so that to me is indicating, um, yeah, we, we've had slow reaccumulation, but over the last couple of weeks, that's ramped up and we're starting to see more aggressive accumulation. And of course, you know, that that's been trending up while price has been slowly grinding down. So, um, you know, we've been talking about on, on the show, this, this uh, divergence between this and price. Um, I personally haven't seen any divergence larger than this. I asked Willie if he has, and he says that he can't think of anything. Um, the only other divergence I've seen and somewhat recently that, that represents that uh, represents this is, is in late September after we had that big drop. Um, I remember like when we, when, when we first, you know, started going into the bull run, uh, we kind of had that, that move up and then that sideways BART. If you look on the chart, you'll, you'll see that um, after that, after that dump, it was a similar kind of idea, but just on a, on a smaller magnitude where like a bunch of coins became liquid. And then you saw this up, like slow grind up in this, in this uh, indicator, which was showing like those coins were getting reaccumulated, but price was continuing to trend down. So like you had the similar divergence there, but just not on you know such a large magnitude. So the way I kind of see this is like, the larger the divergence, the bigger effect it's going to have on price. Um, and, and so I suspect that once we kind of um, start to get volume back, because I think that's part of the reason why you haven't seen this, like this information priced into the market yet, is because we've been having very, very low volume. Um, but I suspect once you start to get full-blown volume back, and, you know, I think that's likely to come soon because we were talking about, you know, volatility breaking out. 
Um, I think once that volume comes back in, then you'll see this supply shock really start to get priced in. Because as of right now, um, when you look at the ratio and then you look at where we were earlier this year, we're at levels that we were at at about 50 to 60K BTC. Got it. And when you think about this OTC outflow RSI, I think this is an indicator that you created. Um, is that kind of confirming exactly what you're seeing with the uh, with the supply ratios and, and kind of this movement uh, to strong hands? Yeah, um, very similar. So, you know, people talk about exchange flows. You can also look at um, OTC flows. And so kind of like from a first principle standpoint, I was thinking, you know, w- what's the money that moves the market? It's, it's whales, right? It's institutions, high net worth individuals. So how can you track that? And so um, I think one of the one of the best ways to look at this is just looking at you know the raw flows in and out of OTC desks, which is where you know these these entities navigate through to make their purchases or or sell. Um, and so I kind of plotted this out with with an RSI, and then you can kind of gauge these really strong um, moves up in in outflows. So if there's a really strong trend in outflows, the, the indicator will break out of the RSI range, and then you'll get what I label as a buy indicator. And then if there's a if there's a lack of OTC outflows, right? If there's very low demand, then the the strength of of the indicator of the oscillator will trend below the range, and then that's considered a sell because there's very low demand, right? And so this has had pretty um, accurate signals over the last year. Uh, but we actually just flashed the second in a row, um, second uh, buy signal. But the reason why I think this one has so much weight is because it's the largest that we've seen since last July. So, like, if you look at this in the newsletter, or you can plot this out yourself for anybody on Glassnode, um, you can see that that the, this RSI, this this um, outflow RSI, is really ripped up um, and even stronger than it was last July. But uh, you know, it's on par with with the levels that it's at. But really aggressive move up in that. And so to me, looking at that, along with seeing whale wallets tick up, you, you know, you've seen them accumulate uh, pretty heavily over the last few weeks. Those two things are kind of coinciding with each other and, and saying the same thing. Um, and, and then below that, I just I just put out a chart of comparing the, the outflows to the inflows. And then you'll see that right now that the outflows are outweighing the inflows to, to OTC uh, desks. Yeah. And, and what's fascinating to me about the outflow to inflow is uh, it's very clear that this is not just kind of a, a you know one day thing. This has been a trend here for a little bit um, since, uh, since maybe like mid July or so. Now, in the past, uh, and I know this is just kind of you speculating versus uh, actually being able to prove any of this. It appears that the inflow outflow chart kind of uh, it rises, it peaks, it kind of comes back down, it rises, it peaks. What drives uh, kind of its inability to just go parabolic, right? And, and kind of take off like that. Is that just uh, natural cyclical, you know, parts of the market? Is that, that there's just only so much Bitcoin that people can buy? Any ideas there? Yeah, um, I think you see, you know, like bigger spikes in in um, the OTC in and outflows, both, um, you know, so basically like the OTC volume, if you will, um, when you kind of get to these bigger inflection points, like, you know, when we originally dumped down in late May, you, you saw, you know, a big spike in those in and outflows. Um, but, it, you know, as long as they're matching each other, then it neutralizes it out. So um, I, I think like when you see a strong move up and you see, um, you know, those, those, those outflows or inflows for that matter, for, you know, if you're trying to make a bear case, if you see those strongly, you know, outpacing the other, then I think that's a, that's a stronger signal. And then also if you're getting um, multiple in a row. So like, you know, right now we, if you look at the chart, we've had five straight, um, you know, kind of coinciding spikes between in and outflows where 
outflows have have outpaced um, inflows. And so, to me, that that makes that that gives it a, a more bullish signal. And you're also seeing, if you look at the two, you know, this like higher high in in the in and outflows, both respectively. So it's showing that there's more activity going on, right? And then if you look back in late May, you had four straight um, bearish spikes where where uh, inflows were outpacing um, the outflow. So that 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 would you know, obviously resemble more of a, a bearish signature. Got it. And then when you overlaid all of these uh, various charts on top of each other, looking at the various wallet cohorts, uh, it appears that, again, just kind of confirmation that uh, whales are absolutely buying up uh, Bitcoin, uh, kind of adding, what is it, 110,000 Bitcoin to uh, their holdings since May 19th? Yeah, exactly. So this is just comparing the, the holdings of different size entities, like you said. Um I, I couldn't fit everyone in here that, that would have wanted to. So I kind of just grabbed some of the vein ones because uh, I can only compare four charts at a time in Glassnode. Uh, but I compared what, what's essentially retail. Uh, and then you're looking at uh, the octopus and shrimp, um, dolphins and sharks, and then the whales. So, you know, these are retail, which is below one BTC, um, 100K to, to 1K BTC, uh, 10 to 100 BTC, and then 1,000 to 10K BTC. And so what you see is almost every major cohort is in accumulation. Um, you know, the retail has been stacking harder than ever. I don't know if going back in the chart that I've ever seen them add to their positions this heavily. They've added over 37,000 BTC since uh, that May 19th capitulation event. Um, whales are accumulating, like I said, especially over the last few weeks. Um, they've now added over 110,000, like you said, since uh, since uh, the May 19th capitulation, um, 100 to uh, 1,000 BTC. This is an interesting cohort because that this has been trending up aggressively throughout the year. Um, I suspect this kind of resembles like hedge funds or, or high net worth individuals, just given the sizing um, and kind of coinciding spikes that you saw between this cohort's holdings and um, the, the cash and carry, uh, you know, the, the spreads there. But you saw a huge increase kind of at the beginning of the year in this cohort. And then this should actually kind of just like bled sideways, which has been interesting, um, just given like how aggressively they had been adding to their holdings. And now that just seems to have completely stopped. But then again, the whales are accumulating. So, um, you know, I, it, it can get a little noisy, like trying to compare each major cohort like if i was if i was able to break it down I, I would i would probably just do like you know retail everything below one and then kind of look at the mid-size holders right and then anything over a thousand is really a whale in my opinion um and so willie's actually done some um kind of his own variant of this where he's looked at, you know, uh, the exchange holdings that are that are shown as entities between, um, you know, over over 10,000, because the reason I didn't include 10 to 100,000 is some of those some of that some of that is and uh, some of that is exchanges. So like, if that's going up, that's not necessarily fully bullish, because it could, it could just be an exchange that's recognized as an entity with with that amount of BTC between 10 and 100,000 as their balance going up, right? So Willie actually filtered some of those things out and he put together a little thread on Twitter. So I would highly suggest people go check that out, but um, just keep that in mind. So like, for example, like the over 100,000 BTC cohort, um, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, the, the, you know, the massive whales are dumping, the over 100,000, um, you know, entities are dumping. Like guys, 
these are exchanges that, that that's a bullish thing. <laughs> the exchanges are, are their, their supply is going down. So like you, you have to, you have to look at what are, what are these cohorts and like um, kind of factor uh, out, out some of these things, like in the over hundred K entities, um, you know, once you, once you factor out exchanges and then you factor out grayscale, you're left with 150,000 BTC. And so by definition, there can only be one, it can only be one other entity other than exchanges and grayscale. So just this concept of like, and I suspect that's likely some kind of like custodial service that, um, that, that last entity. But anyway, I, I just think like you need to look at what, what are the other entities that are, that fall under those um, kind of cohorts to be able to get the best picture. And, and Willie kind of subtracted those out and got a more accurate signal. But um, yeah, just for anybody that perhaps like, I, I've, I've got a few comments that were saying, look at look at the 10 to 100K BTC cohort and also the, the over 100K. So I just wanted to just clear that up. Yep, that makes sense. And then it seems like a lot of the selling is coming from the younger market participants, which has been a theme that we've been talking about now for a couple of weeks. But, but what are you seeing there? Yeah, sure. So this is something that's been trending down since um, January. And for a while in the newsletter, I had been throwing in um, dormancy, which is like a variant of, of Coinbase destroyed. And so the way you can think of that is, you know, wallet, uh, coins in a wallet for one day, coin moves out of the wallet, one coin day is destroyed, right? And, and so this is, a, this is a good signal in, in a bull market to kind of gauge um, the selling of older market participants. When you have higher coin days destroyed, then that's showing that um, you know older coins are being sold. We can also just show that there's um, really high volume. So for example, like you could have one coin that has you know 10 coin days that sold, and and that shows up as 10 coin days destroyed. Or you could have um, 10 coins that have been sitting in a wallet for one day, and you still get the same amount of coin days destroyed. So I think here you need to look at um, some, something that is, is going to be um, not, not um, adjusted for that, for that volume. That, that, um, my bad. Something that is adjusted for that volume, which is the, the ASOL, not, not, the, uh, not the coin days destroyed. Because this is just literally the raw average of the age of the coins being sold. Um, and so I think this is a better indicator as to like, the, the um, behavior of selling from, from different cohorts by age when you have really low volume like this. Uh, hope that made sense. No, that was super wordy. So anyway, this has been trending down and, and something that, you know, we've been watching for a while, but it's just showing the selling is coming from majority um, new market participants. And, you know, it, it, we're seeing that that aggressive accumulation from strong hands while, you know, coinciding um, most of the selling coming from, you know, new market participants, aka weekends. Got it. And then what about miners? It seems like the miners are uh, kind of continuing to not sell and, and accumulate. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. So um, looking at this two different ways, um, you actually could look at it three different ways. But um, in the newsletter, I put in the, the transfer volume from miners to exchanges. So this is just looking at the raw um, inflows and outflows to exchanges. And so you see this has been in a downtrend since uh, kind of mid-February. mid, mid uh, February. But we had a big spike around when we had the whole China migration, um, you know, when, when miners were, were moving out of China um, and had to liquidate some of their Bitcoin to, to move um, but th that's gone back into a downtrend after that. Um, and then another way to look at this is just the, the minor net position change. So there's the minor net balance, um, and then there's also the net position change. So the minor balance is, is good if you're trying to watch like intraday things. But 
if you're really trying to identify a trend, I think that the net position change is, is a lot more valuable because if you're seeing a clear trend on something that, that is looking at, you know, a 30 day difference of something, it's, it's, uh, in my opinion, a, a much clearer, um, signal of a, of a kind of broader trend rather than just like looking, you know, on every day at, oh, you know, minor balance went up today, minor balance went down a little bit tomorrow. Like it, that can get super noisy and just kind of like it, it, it's, it's just too much to, you know, I'd rather just look at what, what's, what's the broader trend, you know, the solidified trend, that, you know, over a 30 day basis. So I think like that, that minor net position change is, is the most valuable in terms of like looking at that trend, but yeah, for sure. Miners have been accumulating, um, you know, especially over the last two weeks. All right. And then UTXO bring us home with this last one. What, uh, what are you seeing in the UTXO? You love UTXO. Yeah. I, I love this chart. Cause it's basically like a, uh, a volume profile of Bitcoin. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's showing how many, you know, how many Bitcoins, how much of the supply has moved at different price levels. Um, and, and so what you see is we just have like this massive zone of volume between 30K, 40K, especially between like 30K and 35K. And so when we, when we went down below 30, we were kind of like looking over into the abyss where we really didn't have any support until like 26K or, or 22K. Um, but, you know, it looked like we, we got pushed right back up into there. And, and so now we're kind of sitting back in the middle of this range. Uh, but one interesting thing, um, the, the 31, uh, seven, that, that level has the highest level of, uh, of, of money, of Bitcoin's money supply that's moved at, at, at that since, uh, 10,300. So you have this huge kind of base of capital here building up and, uh, uh, you know, if we were to have some kind of bull run continuation, I would be eyeing this level for some kind of like macro support level in the future. But uh, yeah, it, this is, this is, um, you know, the, the largest zone of support that we've seen since, you know, like six, six K to, to 10 K. So. All right. Just as a kind of summary, how are you feeling right now? Like in terms of what we're seeing um, bullish, bearish, still sideways, kind of cautiously optimistic. How, how would you categorize it? Sure. Um, so I, I think in the short term, right, you, you, you know, we can be subject to perhaps, you know, a bunch of le uh, leverage traders hop in all of a sudden decide to go leverage long. And that's going to, of course, you know, incentivize price to kind of get pushed down in the short term. So, you know, it, it could get a little noisy in the next couple of days, perhaps. But, you know, I, I suspect over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start to see a move up. Um, you know, the, the accumulation trends that we've been following for over a month now, uh, I think are, are finally starting to get uh, priced in a bit. Um, you know, it, it didn't seem like it, was, it you know, it was going to happen for a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th I think over the next few weeks, you'll, you'll start to see that uh, kind of get reflected in, in, in the price, especially once volume returns. Um, just, and I say that just because watching volatility, um, you know, some of the charts that we had mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting right on this, on the breakout of, of, you know, this big move and, and, uh, you know, looking at where that, you know, if I had to, you know, guess where that was going to go based off of on chain, you know, showing, seeing that accumulation to me is, is pointing that that move is going to be upward. So, um, you know, that, that volatility break is going to come out in the next couple of weeks. And that's why I say that. So, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be watching closely, man. What, uh, what do you think is uh, the most likely scenario through the end of the year? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, I think it all depends on like what you see from the institutionals. And, you know, if you start to get a bunch of announcements and I don't know, like some ETF news, then it could get pretty crazy. Um, 
I, I personally think that we kind of top out in, in early, mid-2022. Um, I've seen it as, as far as, like, the length of the cycles, the idea of, like, this lengthening cycle thesis, I, I, I kind of agree with that. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, like, we didn't ex- – if we extended out to, you know, um, spring to, to summer 2022 uh, for some kind of, like, you know, big, um, you know, final move up perhaps. Uh, but – for now, I'm just I'm just watching to see you know in the short term if we can break the 200 day because I think that that's kind of like a key level that you know traders in general or investors in general watch um, to determine if an asset is kind of in a in a bull bear market right. Um, so watching that level and then if we can break all time highs, um, you know I, I think we'll we'll see a pretty aggressive move upwards. But I think in terms of like the remainder of the year, a lot of that depends on. Well, macro too, obviously, but just from like a pure internal Bitcoin standpoint, um, I think what you kind of see from the institutional adoption side. What about you? What do you think? I think that uh, there's a lot of bear sentiment and Bitcoin's lulling people to sleep, but uh, I'm not sleeping. I uh, I remain convicted on the on the long term. So good luck to everyone out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got into Bitcoin in, in summer last year. And, and so I remember when we were sitting at like the mid nine, uh, mid nine K, like we were sitting at like 92 to, to 9,800. And we were just like chopping and chopping and chopping. And I was like, this thing never moves. Like, what is everybody talking about? Bitcoin's exciting and stuff like this thing is just sideways forever. And then all of a sudden I remember, boom, it broke through 10 K and I was at, and a very similar thing with 20 K you know, we were just sideways, 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 and, you know, the high 19,000s. And then I remember one day I woke up this mo- uh, woke up one morning and, and we'd broken out to like 22K or something. And it's like Bitcoin moves in like a very small portion of time. And so like being, being out of the, that's why I always like, I, I'm always, I think, going to have, you know, a, a, a large portion of, of my holdings just in, you know, just in cold storage, because with Bitcoin, like the real risk is one day waking up and, you know, all of a sudden prices driven up on some news or, or whatever it may be. But like, you know, mo- most of the moves, I've, I've seen some st- statistic on it, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Most of the moves come in a very small portion of the time that Bitcoin trades. So that, that has always been true. And I think uh, it's going to be no different here. So pretty, uh, pretty nuts. Um, all right. Where can we send people to uh, follow you on uh, Twitter or, uh, or follow the, uh, the newsletter? Yeah, sure. I'm on Twitter at uh, W Clementi III, and then my newsletter is uh, BTC by WC3. All right, my friend. We will uh, we will do this again next week. But you're doing a great job. Keep it up. I think a lot of people are uh, counting on you to keep them informed. So let's uh, let's talk again uh, at the end of next week. Sure. Thanks a lot, Paul. Take it easy.